We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the NBA front office show. We've got the trade deadline coming up on February 8th. Tons of news on that today, which means it's all the more important that you subscribe right here to the NBA front office show on YouTube. Help us get to 30,000 subscribers and then over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts as well. Joining me, as always, is Keith Smith. You can find him at Keith Smith NBA across platforms. Find me at Trevor underscore Lane over on X at Trevor Lane NBA on Instagram and threads. Keith, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, I want to say shout out. People are really filling the comments on all the latest yeah, big uh, videos. Time we've done make sure we get those likes up and let's get those subscriptions up too we we really that helps more people find the show and that's just the better for all of us all around but we appreciate all the support everybody's brought this is our time of year right so we're, we're super excited to have you with us and uh hey hanging out with us a little bit and as you said yeah there's quite a bit of stuff going on we don't have any actual trades to break down but no. it feels like we're getting closer on a number of different trade fronts it's everything feels like it's starting to like hone in on our uh, handful of players that we're going to get into today. All right. Well, in fact, let's, uh, let's dive right into it. Let's start with the guy that is maybe at the forefront of all of the trade rumors right now. And that's DeJounte Murray for the Atlanta Hawks. Clearly one team that is open for business. We're going to talk about another one in a little bit, and that's the Nets. But DeJounte Murray uh, would reportedly welcome a trade back to the Spurs. Said he sees Greg Popovich as a father figure and such, he would be uh, he'd be open to going right back to San Antonio, even though he was just traded from the Spurs not all that long ago. Now we had the Spurs as a potential suitor for for Dejounte Murray out on the trade market. I'm still skeptical that they'll be the landing spot though for him. Yeah, it's interesting with the Spurs. It used to be the rule of thumb was seeing the offseason because they didn't, never did anything during the yeah. trade deadline. But that's changed over the last few years. I think they've started to adjust as the league has adjusted so they're 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 moving you know with the times if you will and hey i i wish i could remember his name he'll tell us on friday because i know he's in there all the time on our front office friday shows but somebody said what about Dejounte murray going back to the spurs they need a point guard and we were both pretty dismissive we were both kind of like that's <laughs> yeah. not gonna happen and kind of laughed about it and maybe you know i'm not i'm not per, 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 uh, saying uh he had any insider info or anything. I think he was just kind of spitballing an idea and you know, we kind of dismissed it out of hand, but maybe I, I, they clearly need a point guard. Just sure. clear a comfort level there. Um, 
I tweeted this morning after this news came out and where this came out was Dennis Scott on the uh, MLK game said he had had a conversation with DeJounte Murray, asked him about trade rumors. Murray gave the standard, I'm professional. I'm going to keep right. playing. I'm going to do the best I can. Then he asked him specifically about the Hawks. That's when he said, to your point, Pop's a father figure. I'd welcome going back there. So I, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but interesting that a player is that on the record about it. So well, we'll see. But what I tweeted this morning was it's like draft day. Like I imagine the Hawks, Landry Field is going to be like, I want my picks back. All, yeah, of, them, all of them. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and I said, and I want Jetty Osmond just because I feel like just because I feel uh, like right? it. <laughs> so we're living in a different world than we were 30 seconds ago. Enjoy your pancakes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I somehow don't think it'll be quite that antagonistic with the trade talks, but no. we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's getting increasingly clear DeJounte Murray is not going to be an Atlanta Hawk in about three weeks or so at yeah. the trade deadline. I, it just seems like it's there. His contract barely easy to move right now at around 18 million number of teams seem interested. It just feels like it's going to be Atlanta holding out until they get that offer that this is the one, this is the right, right move. And not now we go. Yeah. And that's probably going to be what, what they do. If I'm the Hawks, I am not in any rush to get this done. Even if they do finally say, and, and I don't think they have to trade him at the trade deadline this year. I think they can wait till the summer if they want, if the deal isn't right, but I don't, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe, 10 minutes from now, we get a Woj bomb that says DeJounte Murray is being traded, right? But if I'm the Hawks, I'm waiting till closer to the actual deadline. Now, again, we're not that far away. We're only talking about a few weeks, but I'm waiting till closer to the deadline before I pull the trigger on anything. So I want to see if anybody gets desperate. It sounds like DeJounte Murray is in high demand around the league. There's a number of teams that are interested in him. And so I'm holding out until either I get the, the exact offer that I want or I'm waiting till closer to the deadline before I make that decision. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you're not taking first offer you get and out the door here unless it's an incredible offer. So I, I'm fine if they hold out a little bit. I would try to get it done this year because mm -hmm. I really want to go into the summertime with a better idea of what am I doing? Like, what is my plan for the summer? And the best way I think they could set up for that is start putting those things in play right now. Yeah. But you don't trade them just to trade them. This is not a situation where it's, completely gone south and is a deteriorating asset or anything like that little easier like i said right now he only makes about 18 million that'll jump up next year into about the 25 range a little higher after you factor in his uh trade kicker um on top if he ends up accepting the entire thing just point of clarity education players can waive a part of a trade bonus if they want to to help facilitate a trade either to make the trade math work or just to hey, I want to be there bad enough. I'll give up some money to go. So we'll see what it looks like with, with that one. But I, I don't know. I got a feeling there's just – this seems like one where I'll, – I'll repeat this several times over the next few weeks – where there's smoke, sometimes there's fire, there's fire, and there seems like there's an awful lot of smoke right now around DeJounte Murray. Absolutely. There there certainly is. And so it's feeling more and more likely that he does, he does get moved here. Uh, another player, though – who has been at the at the top of mind in terms of trade discussions, Pascal Siakam for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, he may have just completely torpedoed his his trade value for the Raptors. I'm seeing a lot of Raptors fans that are saying, if this is true, this is awful for, for Toronto. And, and I don't blame Pascal Siakam at all, but uh, the rumor that's out there right now 
is that he's made it clear that any team that trades for him, he will not give any kind of verbal commitment to re-sign with them this coming summer, that he wants to test the free agent market unless he's staying with the Toronto Raptors. So essentially that means Raptors, either you have to extend him or and give him what he wants there, or you're probably going to risk losing him for nothing because I can't see a team, unless, as we talked about yesterday, unless it's a team that feels like Siakam puts them over the top, maybe it's an o- Oklahoma City Thunder, and then they don't lose too much if uh, if he does end up walking away. Otherwise, I can't see teams surrendering significant assets for what would amount to a few months of Pascal Siakam, and then he and then he walks away. I agreed. I, I think there's a third option too, right? Where it could be much like uh, happened with Kyle Lowry, a sign and trade sure. option where it is Siakam. He's not going to go back to the Raptors. He's going to go somewhere else. But the only way to get there, because maybe they're an over-the-cap team, is via sign and trade, and that's how they make it work. So, so I think that could be in play. But yeah, I'm with you. Other than that, it gets really, really tough. And if you're Toronto, if you're if you're of the belief of all right, this guy's definitely just walking away. We're not good enough with him to make any kind of real noise. So there's no reason for us to keep him. Yeah, you want to be able to work with Golden State because I'm throwing them out there because they've been mentioned as a suitor right? to where you can kind of let Siakam go and Siakam is, yeah, you know, hey, we'll get it done in the offseason. Now, I do wonder if this is a I want to control the process move by Siakam of, hey, you know, is it really nobody? There's none of the other 29 teams you're, you, you'd give a you know, wink and a nod to of resigning. Maybe we'll see, but I, I think there's a chance we could see him go somewhere else and then link up where it is. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, but it, it, it maybe he is being forthright here because he hasn't been a free agent yet because he did yeah. rookie scale deal, then an extension, and then he went. So the challenge with being a free agent is he'd be maybe even the best one available by the time extensions and re-signings happen, but it's not a great free agent market for players either there's some good teams out there so i don't know i'm curious to see and and again as you mentioned as we talked a little bit yesterday is there a team that says we don't really care we're trading for you anyway we'll figure out the rest of it and come july but mm-hmm. we feel like you're good enough to lift us to a place we can't get to otherwise at the very least even if a team is willing to make that risk they can use this as leverage against toronto to sure. not surrender quite so much um so again from the raptors perspective this is terrible. This is yeah. this he this now could wind up going the the route of Fred Van Vliet, where he walks away for nothing. And, and at the same time, like I'm seeing Raptors fans that are frustrated with Siakam, saying they're losing respect for him and all that kind of stuff. I don't see it that way because you put yourself in this position if you're Toronto, and he doesn't have to tell any team that I'm going to stay or or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Um, because essentially, what you're saying, what if, what if Pascal Siakam in his heart really just wants to be a free agent, wants to have the opportunity to explore a lot of different teams and then make a decision at that point. Essentially what you're saying, if you're upset with Siakam right now, is you want him to lie. You want him to lie to a team. If Indiana calls up and he says, gosh, I really don't want to live in Indiana. It's not where I want to be. You're saying we want you to lie and tell the Pacers you're going to stay so that they'll give us more. Or you're going to tell, tell that to the Kings. You're going to tell that to whoever. That's putting that's putting this on Siakam. The Raptors could have traded him last summer. And gotten and gotten a lot more if they were worried about this situation. Is this typical in the NBA? No. Typically, a player will will say, "Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll stick around with this team." 
but this is also a possibility. It's a risk that, that that's out there. So I don't understand the frustration with with Siakam in this situation. He, he has every right to tell the truth. If if the truth is that he doesn't have a team that he particularly wants to stay with, uh, unless it's the Raptors, and he wants to be a free agent and go through that process, there's nothing wrong with what he's doing there. Um, and again, as you said, maybe part of it is strategic. Maybe it is he's trying to control the process or something. But even so, that's his right at this point in, in his contract to do this. Yeah, without a doubt, I have nothing to add. You said it all. All right, let's jump over to another team that is is expected to be making some moves here, and that's the Brooklyn Nets. They've been struggling. Uh, but Ben Simmons, potentially back soon. Um, is this Does this matter more? on the court for the Nets or off the court in terms of the trade front? It matters nothing this year. I don't think there's any chance this season ahead of the trade deadline that Simmons is But but this summer, I I mean, like if he could could play out the rest of the season. Yep, if you could get 25, 30 games of him looking pretty good in the second half of the season, and it's not 25, 30 games and it ends with him hurt again in the middle of March – if it's really 25, 30 games, maybe he doesn't play back-to-backs or something like that, and teams are like, okay, it changes a little bit of the conversation for next year for sure where it could be a big expiring contract and maybe you can get something out of them, and then maybe a team that feels like they're in position to take him on makes a run at him there, and that could be a way for the Nets to reset things a little bit for themselves. So on the court, yeah, I mean, maybe Brooklyn's struggling right now. They're yeah. they're really going through it. They're two and eight in their last ten. They've lost three in a row. They're now tied with the Hawks for tenth. They have the tiebreaker over Atlanta for the time being, but they're right on that borderline and not even being a playing tournament team. And that is some suggesting, hey, major changes are coming to Brooklyn, and we're going to get into that a little bit more right after this topic, but. I don't know that anybody in the Nets organization is like, hey, we just got to get Ben Simmons back and we're right. we're we're ready to go. We're a Ben that's Simmons a, away. Yeah, that's not a knock on Ben Simmons. That's just a being realistic about where the situation is. I'll continue to say, and I think I'm speaking for you here too, mm-hmm. let's hope Ben Simmons gets back and Ben Simmons yes. can be Ben Simmons again because that's just what's best for him and the Nets and for basketball as a whole. But I kind of have my doubts. I, I'm – Kind of in the standpoint of it's it's turning much more into Ben Simmons' contract than it is Ben Simmons, the basketball player. And that's up to him to get on the court and stay on the court long enough to prove that wrong. Yeah, I agree with everything you said there. Uh, I 100% would love to see him back on the court, thriving and doing what he does. Um, and hopefully he can avoid injury because that's been a big, big problem. Um, speaking of the Nets, though, Cam Thomas, not pleased with the rotation. Keith, I, I just, you know, it was about a month up to about a month ago. I was getting a lot of people saying, why is it just the bulls? Why are the bulls? The only team that we're hearing anything about on the trade market. Now, sure. as we're getting closer and closer, it feels like there's more teams where it's like Thanos style, inevitable that they, that they make a trade. And that's the, the Hawks. Now are certainly in that mix. I still think the bulls probably do something, but the nets are, are right up there as well. And you can throw the Raptors in the mix too. Another team we've talked about today. But, but the Nets are getting up there, too. Cam Thomas is not happy with the rotation. You know, all you got to do is just wait. Just wait a couple of weeks, Cam, and then I think the rotation is going to look very different because I think some I think moves are coming uh, for Brooklyn. Yeah, and what sparked this was, it was a question from a reporter. I 
think it was Eric Slater. I apologize if I get that wrong, but it was post game after they lost uh, on MLK Day. Asked Cam Thomas, who has been, I want to say it was about two, three weeks ago, he was removed from the Nets starting group. He was put back into a bench role. And he said, Hey, you've been doing this for a few weeks now. Are you more comfortable with the rotations now that you're not starting and coming off the bench? And Cam Thomas, the answer was no not comfortable with any of it. Like I'm not comfortable starting coming off the bench. Like you gave pretty, you know, candid answer of Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm not happy with this. And, and that's a tough spot to be in. If you're Cam Thomas, you spent two years primarily as a bench guard. It kind of fits and starts with, he was in the rotation, out of the rotation. Most of his first two years, this, this year he's been in the rotation consistently all year long think felt like, Hey, I'm starting. Cause I'm really contributing something here. And now it's turned into, all right, we're going to bring you off the bench again. I'll be honest. I still don't really know what cam Thomas is. I don't know. Is cam Thomas, the next really good starting two guard that can fill it up and score, but needs, needs to lock in that opportunity. Is he Jamal Crawford or Lou Williams and can score in bunches and is going to carve out a 20 year career as a six man. Right. Is he unfortunately what Jordan Poole's kind of looking like where looked really good on a couple bad teams, filling it up. And then when the team needs him to be good, he's just kind of not good enough and that'll be his destiny and he'll play out his career that way. I, I don't know. I don't know which version of that we're going to get. I, I think it's between one and two where he's yeah. either a high level six man or he's a, uh, you know, pretty good starting player, but not never an all-star type kind of guy. Cause really all he does is score. He's not a great playmaker. He's not a very good defender. He's small for the position. So that leads me more to the bench guard role, but that's fine. I, I, I continue to say this. People get so upset when you call somebody a bench scorer and it's like, why that's a great that, role. That's a like, real role in yeah, the NBA that is needed. Yeah. That's much that's needed. Yeah, I, I believe the NBA should name the Sixth Man of the Year award after Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, because nobody did it better than them for like twenty yeah. years. You know, combine uh, each in their careers. So like, I I don't. That's not a bad thing. He can carve out a very long, lucrative career yep. and a good one in that role if that's what he can adapt to and wants to do. And maybe he can be more. I'm not I'm not out on that either. So I don't know. But here's the reality with Cam Thomas. Makes two point two million, I think, this year. If I've got that right, he yeah, two point two million. So anybody can trade for him very easily because mm-hmm. that's basically a minimum contract that you need to send out to match salary. But he's extension eligible next next summer in this coming summer in July, and that's I think the key part for him is I think there's a chance we could see Cam Domus like agitate, get moved eventually, mm-hmm. with the idea of. I got to be somewhere where they want to extend me. They're going to lock in. It's not like max money or anything, but they're going to lock into me for 20 million a year and off we go. And yes, 20 million a year sounds still kind of crazy for what I just said. I think he is as a player, but the reality is that's fine. That's a good starter, high end, you know, bench player level. So that's, that's where I think this could end up going. If he gets uh, traded. I wonder if, in in his mind though does he want to go someplace that will let him attempt to be more than the yeah. bench score because look it, it is if he is a starting scorer as much as we're saying you can carve out a lucrative career as a bench scorer and you definitely can 
you can carve out a far more lucrative career if you are a starter. I wonder if if that's, if that is part of his thought process too, is I want at least that opportunity to prove that I can be that because most, most people, you know, it takes a little while into their careers before they're going to say, okay, this is what I am. I don't think Cam Thomas is quite at that phase of his career just yet. Like it's a, like Lou Williams was a starter for a while. And is he a point guard? Is he a two? What did, you know? And then finally he settled into that role. Uh, same thing with Jordan Clarkson. Is he really going to settle into the, to this kind of role? We saw the same thing with Jamal Crawford as well. It was a little bit later in these guys' careers. I wonder if part of Cam Thomas says, give me some place that's going to give me that shot to, to be the starter permanently. And then let me see what I can do. I, I think there's a big part of that. And I think, what could be is get me traded there now. I have roughly half a season to show them what I can do, and then they feel good about locking in on that big extension with me as a key piece. The problem is, who's that going to be, right? Who yeah. who who feels like, yeah, Cam Thomas is the way we want to go? And again, not a knock on Cam Thomas. I just don't know that Detroit or poor Portland obviously doesn't make sense. I've got a million guards, but Detroit or Washington or San Antonio, I don't think any of them are like, let's go get Cam Thomas and really, Mm -hmm. all right, you're going to be our $20, $25 million guy moving forward. I'm just not sure that's where it is. And it doesn't have to be one of the terrible teams. It could be one of the teams in the middle. Bigger picture with the Nets, they're going to do something because it's just not working. It's very, very messy there. They've got some uh, key roster decisions to make both this summer. We said Thomas's extension. You've got the – the Nick Claxton is a free agent there. So you're going to have to figure out something with that one. Now you don't have his restricted rights anymore. So you really can't control that process at all. And he's somebody I think a lot of teams very much like, and I don't know how far we are away from a guy like Mikhail Bridges saying, Hey, what are we doing here? Because we've talked about this in the past, but it's, I think it's worth reminding because I keep seeing people say, ah, they're young. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson are not that young. These guys are in their late 20s. They're, they're not done, but these no. are not 22-year-olds anymore. They came in a little older, so they, they're you know older players. So I think I think you got to be very realistic if you're the Nets of, are right, these the guys, or do we need to hit a reset on this thing and really kind of start the process over again? These are guys that are ready to win right now. These right. are guys that are in their in their prime or just entering their prime. If they have a team that's ready to win right now, that's ideal. How far away are the Nets from being ready to win now? Is it two years? Is it three years? If that's the case, then you then you're looking at what Mikhail Bridges is is thirty, and then how long is your window there? So that's a real question they have to start start figuring out. Can we get ready to win right now by next season? Can we be in the upper echelon in the Eastern Conference by next season? If the answer is no. And we're probably looking at at least season after next. Maybe you do have to start making some some tough decisions and uh, and see what you can do. But uh, but players that I like a lot, I, I like both these guys as players, and I think they would get a ton of value for them if they were to if they were to move them. But where you at on Mikhail Bridges? I think he's a good second guy on a team. I think he's a real good. I don't think he's the guy. I don't think he's a one A guy. But I think if he's your second guy and you have a true one a star he can be he can be your number two guy on a team with his versatility with his ability i know he's been up and down with the shooting but i think that's his ceiling right now is to be that true number two and i think it's fair to question whether or not he's actually that number two guy based on what we've seen so far this season it's kind of been 
you know, there, there's been ebbs and flows to it. But I think that's his ceiling is to be the number two guy on a team that has a dominant number one guy. That's where I'm at more or less with him. I think if you, if he's your number two, you're probably a, a pretty good team. If he's yeah. your number three, you're probably a great team. Yes. Really like that, that that's kind of where I'm at with that. I think we've seen now we've got essentially a season's worth. Cause we got half of last year, half of this year of Mikhail Bridges, number one option. It's not terrible by any means. I just think he's a little in over his head as primary creator, throw the ball to him at the end of games, really tease the guy. Mm-hmm. So I, but yeah, if he was your number two and very much so if he's your number three, you're, you're probably really moving. And that's, that makes it very interesting as far as what could he be. Contract is great too. Is Ideally, if you're trading for me, wish it ran out at least another year or two longer, but it, it's very acquirable. It's not a bad deal. And then I think Cam Johnson, Maybe a touch overpaid, but probably not. I, I think his contract's fine too. And he, if you could get him to be your fourth or fifth starter on a team, you're you're probably again you're probably a pretty good team. So definitely some tradable pieces there. And I know a lot of people like Nick Claxton. So no, sure. that's another guy. I'm I'm curious to see if anything happens with that because that's another one of these. Uh, Nick Claxton could move, and Nick Claxton is he's not a max guy in the summer. So that almost is almost more dangerous because he's a guy where a lot of teams could be in on him. And that's yeah. more dangerous than Pascal Siakam where it's like, Hey, I need, I need 35, $40 million at least if I'm Siakam, Nick Claxton's probably going to be in the 15 to 20 million range. And that means just about everybody in the league can get involved on Claxton. And that makes it really, really hard to then get him out on any kind of value deal. Yeah. And that's something that the Nets will have to weigh. Um, to close the book on, on the Nets, what I see from Mikhail Bridges, I think of him as, and not not the same player, a little bit different skill set, but I think he'd be killer like in, the, in a Chris Middleton type role next to like a Giannis. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, 
Yeah, I could yeah, see yeah. him in, in that type yeah, of situation. Yeah, that's a really good call. Yeah, yeah, it's just a defensive ability too, where you yes. can plug him in. Now that's something you do have to be cautious of. That will fade probably quicker than mm-hmm. some of the other parts of his game, just as he ages. But you're at least going to get another two, three years of elite defense. Yeah. And if he's not having to carry such a big load offensively, I think the defensive production starts to go back up to like what we saw in Phoenix when he was there, two, three, four, four guy. Yeah, 100%. All right, uh, let's jump over to, well, let's go to, to Portland. Shaden Sharp is going to be out uh, two weeks or more. I mean, that just heal up, get, get healthy. Um, no rush, obviously, uh, given given that situation right now. Yeah, there's no nothing standings wise that you would rush him back for. This is just again though, we're losing reps with him and Simons and mm-hmm. Henderson by by the end of the year. We're gonna have probably somewhere in the range of thirty ish games that all three of them were healthy and on the court together. That might even be on the high side, and those are kind of your three building block pieces. I would say just who knows what will happen with Rob Williams and DeAndre Ayton. It's somewhere in that group with those guys. And that's just the tough part of this. You just don't want to see those missed opportunities to have them play. It changes nothing as far as Portland being good or bad. They're probably going to lose most of those games anyway. That'll miss Mm -hmm. if he had played in them. But you just lose those reps and see what it looks like with those three guys together. So that part's the frustrating part of it all. All right. The Knicks are also fielding offers for Quinton Grimes. Um, I know the Knicks are a team that we've looked at as as a team that still has flexibility. They obviously already made the big OG and an OB trade, but the word like shortly after the trade was, oh, we still think we've got pieces to make a, a, a pretty sizable move. Uh, but interesting that they're looking at uh, potentially a Quentin Grimes deal as well. Yeah, I think this is probably one where it is what 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 is our rotation moving forward? Because when Jalen Brunson gets back, you've got Brunson, DiVincenzo. Those are the starters now. You've got Josh Hart as kind of the third guy. He's really the backup wing behind both DiVincenzo and Ananobi. And then that limits where Grimes can go. I'm wondering if they're thinking we need a little more size on that second unit. If we sure. could turn him into you know, much more of a four, that, that would be a little bit better for us. Uh, or a three, four, I guess, ideally, because there's still not like a ton of minutes left over by Jewish Randall. So that's probably the idea with this. And and then again, another guy who will be coming up, I think, is it this summer for him already? Uh, it's good. Yeah, this summer. He's already extension eligible. So, so you're kind of right back in the Emmanuel quickly spot where he's extension eligible. If you don't reach an extension, now you're playing it out and we'll see what it looks like from there. So that's probably a chunk of what this is because you have Hart and DiVincenzo, who ideally those three guys all play the same position. You already have two of them locked up long term with those two. You just don't need a third guy in the mix there, especially with Ananobi eating up now yeah. 30 to 35 minutes a night at the small forward spot. That's it's just a surplus. So why not? And that's because I saw some reaction to this of like they wouldn't put him in the the Donovan Mitchell trade, you know, two two summers ago. What are they doing? You know, this is this right. organization is stupid. And it's Things change. They just that's the reality. It's you know, it's a so we started the show off with we live in a completely different world than we did this mm-hmm. morning. Like we live in a completely different world than a year and a half ago. Yeah, you're you're making decisions in the moment based on the information that you have available. And guess what? Information changes. 
um, yep. things things shift as as time goes on. Um, there's tons of examples throughout throughout history of where everybody thought one, something was one way, and then it turns out it, it was the the truth was was totally different. Um, I'm looking at the Knicks though; they've been. I mean, they just lost to to Orlando, but they've been playing really good basketball really well. since, since yeah. this trade. So I do yeah. wonder how much because you got to be careful that you don't over tinker here that you don't mm -hmm. especially if you're if you feel like this team is in a rhythm so i, I wonder if despite the next next kind of you know puffing out their chest and saying oh we still have plenty of assets to do something i, I wonder if they're a little bit more cautious at, at the trade deadline just because they've been in such a good rhythm assuming that that rhythm continues for the next few weeks yeah and that could be something that uh tweet was just the nba officially announcing the clippers will host the all-star game Okay. Um, which we already knew. Uh, the thing with Quentin Grimes too. You talked about this, I think, in our last show. This could almost be one of those where where nothing's going to happen right now, but we're setting the groundwork mm -hmm. for something that happens in June or July when things season is over, rosters are a lot more flexible. Maybe we can agree to some other kind of trade because I I think we are either. This trade deadline, and I think that is like a 10% chance to a 90, well, 90 is too high. Let's say like a 60% chance mm -hmm. that the Knicks trade for some big name player. It's going to come somewhere in between now. So 10% between now and the trade deadline, 60% yeah. by the start of the summer. And then the leftover 30% is just, they just don't, they, they're not able to make it, it happen. happen. So, and that's probably too low because it's always more likely there's no trade than some trade. But the 40A contract kind of dictates we've got two windows left. We've got this one right now. Then a team can get them. They can decline his team option and move on. Or the Knicks opt them in. They plus up the offer with Grimes, draft picks, whatever, and go get go get somebody then. We're, we're just down to two tradable windows left with 40A. So you know what people are going to hear from that? 70 percent certain yeah, knicks are, are making a superstar yeah. trade yeah. yeah that's fine <laughs> that, that's the headline from that. that's fine hey <laughs> if it brings in and gets us over thirty thousand subscribers well done by me god we are right there we're right, so, we're close. so close so close so we close. need like a hundred of you listening to click the subscribe button we promise we'll make it worth it for you that's promise. right that's right all the hugs and kisses you want if should we meet on the street somewhere Keith Keith speaks for himself. He does not speak for me. <laughs> um, last thing we've got today, Jay Crowder is returning to the Bucs. He had an abdominal surgery uh, a few months back, uh, and so he is now going to be back in action for, for Milwaukee. I was I was surprised when I started looking at this. I thought, and maybe, maybe it's because P.J. Tucker exists, but I thought that Jay Crowder was older than 33. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, it, it. I think it feels like he's been around kind of forever because he, he can't really. It was when he went to Boston in the uh, Rajon Rondo trade. That's when he kind of blew up because the Celtics started giving him minutes, and he played regularly on. Oddly enough, which ended up being a playoff team, which stumbled completely into, and then a couple pretty good teams uh, with the Celtics. So it feels like he's been around forever. But yeah, this is a big return for Milwaukee. They just need one more guy that can play kind of three, four minutes. They, they just don't have Bobby Portis has to do everything behind Giannis and Lopez. I, I think if you could get uh, Adrian Griffin to tell you, you would probably say I'm playing these guys a little more than I really ideally want to, but it's, they just don't have another option really on, on the roster 
that can fill in behind Giannis credibly that isn't Bobby Porter. So this just gives them one more guy that you can put in there. Now all of a sudden a Bucks rotation that's felt maybe a little thin-ish behind a really good starting group, now all of a sudden is like, that actually looks pretty good. I, I think we're okay. Um, Keith, I'll tell you this. One of my – every year I have different like pet peeves in the NBA – uh, things that that bother me, and oftentimes it's you know it's small guards running into players and getting foul calls. That's that's often one of my one of my issues. Even even while acknowledging that some of the Lakers players do that and get and <laughs> get fouls out. to say <laughs> it drives it, it it really it drives me crazy. And when we do the play by play, I'll talk about it too. Um, and I'll, I'll say I hate that call. Um, but one of the things that's really bothered me lately, and this is where Jay Crowder comes in. It's guys who fall down every time they take a jump shot. Yeah. And that and Jay Crowder is the king of that. Every three-pointer he takes, he falls down in order to try to make it look like there's there's contact. Sometimes it works. It's one of my pet peeves. Devin Booker does it a lot with the Suns. Um guy, guys find success with it, but it is one of my pet peeves for this year. So I'm happy Jay Crowder's healthy, but please stop falling down every time you take a jump shot. That it, it would make you much more likable, Jay Crowder. <laughs> it becomes a thing too. Jason Tatum does this when he takes turnarounds, uh, yeah. mostly like mid-range turnarounds out of a post up. That is uh he tends to fall down a lot. And then what it does if you miss, even sometimes if you make, it takes you completely out of the play. Yeah. Then you're 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 behind the play and you gotta get up and figure it out. So you're right. Sometimes sometimes it is realistically a foul, and then other times it's are you embellished and you got one out of it. So my my thing, so Big thing I my pet peeve right now with the league is uh-huh. no resistance switching. When teams switch oh, and the screen's yes. not even set, and you yeah. switch into a horrible matchup. Yep. I just it did nothing drives me crazy. At least make them set the screen. That's been a thing for, for a while too. Yeah, it's it's getting worse. Like it's been yeah. it, since since teams became far more switch heavy. Because it used to be a million different pick and roll coverages. Most yeah. of them involved recovering back to your own man. When teams went switch heavy, and then the next iteration was, oh, we just switch all this stuff. And and you can see the smart teams that know the ones that do it because they just they start spamming it like late in quarters, oh, yeah. late in games. It's like, all right, I'm just gonna on. go find it. And you're not even you're not even forcing it. It's just all right, we're gonna hand off and switch. And I think it's done, I think it's primarily done out of laziness, but I think a big chunk of it's done out of well, we're going to have to do it anyway, so let's get ahead of it. And it's like, I don't make them make you. Like, don't, don't, don't just, you know, all right, hand off the big to, to the ball hand or vice versa, because I just don't get it. That, that one drives me absolutely crazy. And guards who go too early on screens. And oh, don't yeah. Let the screen get set because the big man gets the foul and it's not yep, his fault. It's not their that, fault. That, that's a, like an epidemic. And I've given up on post entry passing. That's just that's a lost it's, art. It's, it's a lost art. That's a, yeah, yeah. That's like learning somebody meeting somebody who's like, yeah, I can speak Latin. Like, oh, oh, cool. yeah. Like, it's it's the way cursive happens. is going right now too. Yeah, right. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well. Well, Keith and Trevor got old at the end. So we got yeah. yeah. I was gonna. Say, I <laughs> I had another point I was gonna make, and I'm like, no, we've talked about this enough. We've talked. <laughs> we've talked about switch hunting and all that kind of stuff enough. Yeah. Now we're getting into cursive, so yeah. um, we we'd better we we'd better call it before before we start talking about rotary phones and such. Yeah, we could do a whole show and things we don't like about basketball uh, <laughs> when it's like a dead period for for yeah. us news wise. So 
Yeah, it'll be a while yet, but we 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 can we can tag that into things we intend to get to that the league never allows us to get to because things never stop in this league. This league, this league. All right, everybody. Well, again, make sure you do subscribe right here to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts as well. We'll be back tomorrow with all the latest going on in the NBA. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.